Welcome to SoFlo by Lucas Millar. Lucas's latest collection of 13 short stories, ranging from the gross and silly to heart-wrenching thrillers of cosmic proportions. Join Lucas as he takes you beyond the beaches and shows you the dark side of the Sunshine State. Welcome to SoFlo, a collection of weird Florida horror by Lucas Millar. Available January 14th, 2024. Pre-order now. Brought to you by the Evil Cookie Publishing. Drew, hello. Bring Hi, Danger. everybody. Yeah. Yeah, hello. Me, can I be heard? These wonderful people. <laughs> we can hear you. Good. Right. Well, we're just missing. Still, still getting settled. That's a take. Take, take your time. time. We're just chatting and giving Patrick a hard time that he's not here to listen to. So it's all right. What's going oh on, God. party people? There he is. Look at that. It's the man of the hour. I'm dressed hey guys. for success. Hello, Chad. Hello, Danger, Bree, Drew, Rhonda. I wore, Brennan, I wore my most festive sweater for this. So yeah, it's beautiful. It's very nice. <laughs> it's really pretty. Oh totally it. seasonally appropriate. Absolutely. It's good for Halloween and Christmas. And Christmas. It's like the nightmare before yeah. Christmas. Listen, it's good for every day of the year. It's good for my yeah. birthday. It's true. July 4th, <laughs> you know, all the days. Um, does anyone have any questions? Mm-mm. Why were you late? Tara found a tie for me. Uh-huh. Did she have to tie it too? Because he said on Josh and Tyler's episode that... Uh, we we weren't dressed and we uh we were bummed so for the for the last dressed. episode I'm I'm gonna dress up. Nice. I mean you should. Yeah. So the ten minutes was you looking up a YouTube video on how to tie a tie. How to tie a tie. <laughs> no, that was Tara looking that up. Damn, Brennan. <laughs> Everyone ready it's to all go? Love. Hey, um, Patrick, we were just talking hey, about how you've officially held me hostage for an entire year now. Huh? <laughs> the fuck are you first, talking about? My first episode, episode was, uh, was the finale last year. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah I don't want to say the hostage part though. That might yeah, bl- blink twice if you need help. <laughs> oh, you're, you're blinking. That was like seven times. <laughs> I'm in the basement over here. <laughs> I make it cozy. Get used to it. You know what? Are we ready? I would like to be ready. Is everyone ready? I'd like you to be ready. Welcome to season four's finale. And we are joined by, oh yeah, I should say, I'm Patrick R. McDonough. Joined by my friend, Brennan LaFaro. Say hello, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And our other friend, Candice Nolo. Say hello, Candice. Hello. Okay, this is going to be requiring lots of breath. So let's start with Rhonda. RJ Joseph, say hello, Rhonda. Hey, y'all. And Drew Huff, say hello, Drew. Hey. And Bree Morgan, say hello, Bree. Hello. And Danger Slater, say hello, Danger. Hi. And last but not least, Chad Lutsky, say hello, Chad. Hello. So we have seen a lot of awesome things this year from all of you guys actually and uh i want to start with i'll go with uh ronda with uh what looking back on 2023 
what have you been most proud of that you've accomplished? Well, two things. Uh, first thing, um, I my little collection that I could was a, a Bram Stoker nominee and a Shirley Jackson Award nominee. Uh, that was really, really exciting. Um, and also we put out the first two of the um, novella series from Raw Dog Screaming Press. Uh, mm -hmm. So the second one actually is up for pre-orders right now by Elmarie Wood. And the first one was uh, Kate Mayamura. So I'm really excited mm -hmm. about those. I mean, if y'all haven't seen those covers, they are beautiful. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And then the books inside are even better. <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, next, Bree Morgan. Hello. Same question? Same question, yeah. Um, outside of writing, I would say surviving in general. Uh, it's been it's been a lot of change for me this year. Um, I got married. I went on my honeymoon. Uh, some job Congratulations. changes. Thank you. Yeah, so that, that's been an adjustment. Um, otherwise, I've been writing a lot more short fiction lately, but I finished my longest book to date tiger cult which comes out from darklet press next year um Ooh, it's yes. i think 110,000 words wow. which is more than twice of what i usually write so that that's that's been just wild and that whole process going with darklet has been amazing i'm sure i'm sure brennan can say nothing but good things as well but yeah, uh, yeah. it's awesome yeah so i would say getting all that done in one year that's excellent i've wanted to i've wanted to read that book ever since i i feel like it's been at least two years i've heard you talking about that book yeah it feels like it's been forever gabe says i had a couple pages of it when we lived in our old place which would have been like four years ago oh wow so that's crazy but i think <laughs> it was just like a story seed at that point it wasn't mm -hmm. anything well, it just goes to show you just because you're working on something right now doesn't mean it's going to sit back and, you know, hit hit the full manuscript by, you know, whenever. Um, Drew Huff. Mm. Good time. Well, Sorry. <laughs> My dad. Um, well, um, I've got a lot of things kind of um, work. Um, oh, my God. I'm sorry. Um. I have a few short stories I've had come out in various anthologies. Those are good. Very proud of the one I wrote for Hot Iron and Cold Blood. I was able to do my a few of the rewrites for Divine Flesh and sell that to Dark Matter Inc. Very proud of that. Um, but the first time I was also able to get a book draft out without needing to do a Patreon rewrite. That was Exodontist. I sold that to Dark Matter Inc. too. So pretty excited about that. I did the edits for Freeburn, which is coming out in March 2024. And I'm hoping to hit, I'm going to see if I can hit like 35,000 words on the sequel to Freeburn, which I'm working on right now before the end of the year. Um, This one, the sequels, it's coming together, but I'm definitely going to need to rewrite some of it. Um. Yeah, that's just kind of what I've had going on. My life's been pretty stagnant outside of the writing, but things are picking up again. So that's that's exciting. Oh, that's great. Um, danger. Hi. Hey. <laughs> oh, man. So wait, were we, what was the question here? I'm like the fourth person to go. I don't I'm <laughs> just talking about what we did this year. So, yeah, first question was, uh, what is an accomplishment from this year that you're most proud of? Oh, okay. Um, 
I, I bought a new car. Hmm. Um, but, but well, a, a new used car, but it's a nice new used car. So, mm. so I'm, I, I'm, the, I'm in this position where I actually have a car that works for, for once in my life. Mm. And, uh, it's been pretty nice. exciting because I can get around the places, um, which is good because, uh, you know, I need to get to work and stuff. So, uh, <laughs> outside of that, I've been writing, of course, uh, and I released two books this year, Little Miss Apocalypse and, uh, house of rot so hmm. yeah then they're still they're still kind of chugging along so it's great excellent and uh chad same question for you sir and and brennan and candace you guys are getting this too and i'll throw it my way too after chad goes that's big of you to throw it your way i know i don't know how i'll do it so you should do it chad uh i didn't get married or anything like that uh so it's all, i guess it's all just writing um i released <laughs> i think Three books, uh, Three Smile Mile, Broad Street Bastard, and uh, How the Skin Sheds. And then a couple of anthologies, um, two or three, uh, the Human Monsters one, and then um, mm. the Morbidologies one with uh, Shane and, and Mr. John Taff. Mm. And I think maybe another one, but I can't remember. I don't have uh, them in front of me. Uh, a Crystal Lake one, I think. But anyway... Yeah, and then I wrote, uh, I think, two and a half books. Uh, actually, just this fall, so they're not, they're not in, uh, they're they're not done. It's just just uh, first drafts, and then um, at the beginning, of, and then prepared for like at the beginning of of uh, next month with nice. some books coming out. Oh, you got some coming out in January. I have, uh, yeah, through uh, Cemetery Dance and then one in February through Crystal Lake. Nice. Oh, excellent. Uh, Brennan. Um, ooh. So I would say the biggest accomplishment, shall we say, that I'm proud of is putting the cap on uh, on a trilogy and getting the last mm -hmm. book out there in June. Um and, you know, I had a story collection come out in March and a standalone novella come out in September. But it was really, you know, a, a, as much as I'm proud of those books, it was kind of putting the final chapter and, you know, nervously getting it into readers' hands. Be like, did I, did I even come close to sticking the landing? Is this a complete dumpster fire on top of two what I consider decent books? Um, and, and reader response was good. So that was, you know, a big, big load off my mind. Uh, and it also convinced me that I am never, at least anytime soon, going to write like a single arc trilogy again that, you know, really just one big story spanning three books. Cause it's a fucking nightmare to uh, <laughs> keep, keep track of everything, make sure all the uh, plot points line up and all that good stuff. Uh, I had a few stories come out, one in uh, Dark Disasters that was released recently. I really I, I really like that one. I think that's one of uh, my favorite short stories that I've released. Of course, you know, Drew mentioned Hot Iron, Cold Blood. Uh, Brianna was in there as well, and uh, Rhonda wrote the foreword to it. Um, that was a really, really cool anthology to see hit the ground. Um, and I could blabber on, but instead I'll throw it to Patrick so he doesn't have to throw it to himself. Thanks, buddy. Um, yeah, so like you guys said, Hot Iron and Cold Blood, 
Uh, it's the first anthology I edited, and I'm super proud of it because I didn't know if it was going to ever be published for over a year. So, And I got to do it with some friends um, and new friends. Looking at you, Drew. Um, that, and I got to forward uh, an anthology, uh, Candace's Dark Disasters, which felt really great. And then um, our our new uh, our newborn, um, he came in our life in August. So that are that that would be my three. Um, Candace, come on, me. Oh, wow. Um, most proud of this year. I, I don't even know. Um, well, today I had a release for Desperate Wishes that actually came out in July as a limited edition to Thunderstorm. So I did the wide release for this, this month. It's actually... Um, I'm going to say that one is my most proud of accomplishment for this year because of the story itself. It's not my typical style. It's not what people are used to with me. So I'm going to mark that down as probably one of the things I am most proud of for this year. Um, and I also have officially transitioned my brand in uncomfortably Park into a full indie press. So we have signed four authors for next year, which gives me a grand total of five because I already had one. So there's that. Um, I don't know. I released Dark Disasters, which is the third anthology in the Dark Cousin anthology series for the website. And I don't know, I think it was in 12 anthologies from this year and released, uh, I think, eight standalone novellas, novels, and collections Whoa. of my own this year and published one or two from, like, one. His novel came out. I published his collection last fall. So like our first novel. official release under the brand came out in September. That was not my own. So, it was a big year. Oh. Sounds like it. Had some fun. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, Thank like you. you just like you just said, uh, you we never made an official announcement because uh, felt like we'd be stepping on Erica's toes. Uh, Erica, for those that are wondering, Erica um, hasn't been on for a while because she had a baby. So it's like we oh. told her, you know, we love her family first. That's really our answer for everything. If someone can't make it, it's family first. Or, you know, whatever uh, is going on uh, is more important than the show. So we still shout out to Erica. All the love to her is nothing but love and an open door. We already told her she wants to come back. But yeah, Candace has officially been on the show for a year. And uh, like I told Brennan, he's made she's made it better they both made it better and Erica did too than uh, <laughs> just me doing it. Cause I don't know how the fuck I would have survived these last few years. Well, without them, um, Candace or Brennan. Yes. I'm throwing it to either one of you. Take us uh, to the next question. Okay. So we just asked most proud accomplishment of this year 
So let's throw it to what are you most looking forward to for 2024, whether it is a release or an event, one or the other, or both. Let's start with Drew, I guess, because she's looking at me. <laughs> um, I would say I'm honestly just really excited for Freeburn to get released. It's my first novel. Um, it's my debut. It's coming out in March. Um, I would say for events, I'm really excited to go back to working at my full-time job. My I, I work in the trades. I really like it. Getting that sweet, sweet health yes. insurance. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chad. Uh, the, the aforementioned books, Bruises on a Butterfly through Cemetery Dance. Uh, really excited about that. Um, I'm probably even more excited about a book I wrote with John Bowden that will be going out through Crystal Lake uh, in February called The Bedmakers. Both are very, very sad books, uh, of course. That's not your um, brand at all. Yeah. <laughs> I have three uh, hard hardcover uh, limited editions coming out. Um, and then one for a book that's already out and then uh, some other stuff. And then um, I'm sure I will self-publish at least one or two books that probably aren't even written. I don't know. That 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 tends to happen. But um, yeah, I'm really excited about those new releases. I like starting a year with something that's already just going to th th where the year begins and then right in January, you get something new. I try to make that happen every year um, and try to stretch them out, even though the first two are coming out like three weeks apart. Probably not great, but um, there was something else. I, I'm, I'm doing this YouTube channel thing with my wife and I just spent a ton of money and a ton of time time trying to the learning curve with all of this kind of stuff. So that's where most of my time has been. And hopefully that goes really well. And uh, I'm probably most excited about that. Oh, and nice. yeah. yeah. What's it called? And, uh, uh, I, I'm not going to say it. Okay. Sorry. I, I can't. <laughs> um, and then there will be a uh, uh, Czech Republic is releasing um, a translation of I can't remember which book it is. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's the pale white, but I can't remember. And that's supposed to be out in 2024. Nice. Really quickly before we uh, throw it to the next person, Chad, yeah. I'm curious, you mentioned, you know, having a book out in January and another out in February. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you're kind of at a point in your career where you have, you know, that Lutzky readership where, that might not impact you as much as a newer author having two releases so close together? No, I used to think that, but no, I, I don't because, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, there will be definitely, uh, the re my readership will get both of these, but there are, there are things that I, I do get concerned about because I mean, look at how busy we all were last year. And then we all are probably are going to be having, and it's just this, people right here you know there's thousands of others that are releasing books so you're constantly not fighting uh for you know but you want your book on their shelf you want their book in their lap on their nightstand and there's just so many books to get to 
Um, and so to put them together like that, um, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I used to to be like that, but um, uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, it's something I, I kind of worry about. But I'm I'm very grateful for the readership, and I know that they will. You know, the, the readership that I have will get it. But I like to, you know, just like all of us, want to reach farther and more and more yeah. broaden it. All right, Rhonda, ma'am, what's your twenty-four look like? Well, on the personal front, we have two more seniors coming out of high school next year. Like we're giving <laughs> about two at a time these past couple of years, but I'm just like, <laughs> um, not that they're leaving home; they're just leaving high school, right? Um, but that that's really exciting because they are my last batch of in-house full-time babies. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, they're actually like grown-ups, you know? Um, so that's exciting. Um, I'm super excited about the Ghoulish Book Festival too, uh, where Max Booth III asked me to be a guest of honor. And that is a huge thing because he asked me first. So it technically is my first time being guest of honor, although Halloween Hangover happened first, right? Like I, Max had asked me before that, like it's really a great honor to um, to just work with him and Lori Michelle and that whole Ghoulish Fest crew. I mean, like they are just wonderful. Like I'd have been going to the festival anyway, even if I wasn't one of the guests of honor, but like, you know, this just makes it even more special. Yeah. Um, and I'm yeah. really looking forward to continuing to work on the academic track uh, tracks for um, the StokerCon and for the MultiverseCon. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I think I've really found kind of a niche there with that whole academic spec fic mm -hmm. kind of a thing as far as uh, conventions are concerned. So I'm, I'm really excited about that too. Congrats, nice. Rhonda. Mm -hmm. That Thank is you. awesome. Let's see, we have Brianna up and then so the danger. Yeah, so... It's hard to say what I'll be getting into in 2024. I'm very excited about Dark Split and the, the Tiger Cult release um, that has been coming for a while. And I'm so ready for it to get out there. I just hope that everyone enjoys it as much as I enjoyed writing it. I think we can all agree that that is what we hope for. But especially with this one, for me, this one is very, very much in line with the kind of horror that I want to write kind of forever. So um, personally, it's it's important to me. And then uh, I have the Fear Street Anthology with Darklit uh, that I edited that's coming out in, I believe, February. Um, we, we had to push it because some of the contributors had some personal issues, but um, I'm so excited that it's finally coming out because they're, the stories are so much fun. And I, I think everyone's going to have a great time with it. Otherwise, um, I have a project that I'm hoping to finish and potentially query, and then another one that I think I would like to submit to Darklit. That's awesome. Very nice. Mr. Slater, sir. Hi. Uh, oh, yeah, it feels so like early to talk about so many things because they haven't been announced or like they're still in the process and still in the stew. So it's not like. I mean, I'll, I'll be hanging out mostly because that's all I can say right now for most of these things. I know. Oh, wait, you know what? A book got announced, so I can't talk about that. Uh, I, I have a book with Ghoulish coming in uh, the spring sometime, I think. Okay. Uh, it's called Starlet, and it's about a 
It's about a, a aspiring actress who accepts an invitation to an A-lister's home in Hollywood and discovers the the true and horrible secrets of the of the Hollywood elite. <laughs> so it's a satire about movies and stuff. Nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that leaves my two illustrious co-hosts. So, Brennan, what's your 24 look like? Uh, very Western, which obviously means that I don't want to sell a lot of books. Um, so I'm, I'm actually really, really psyched about this one. Sorry, Pat, that was not intended, as opposed to everything else I've said, that was not intended to be a dig at you. Um, I, I will tell you the coolest thing... One. Yeah, this is, you know, I'm really excited about this. If for no other reason than I have never ha held one of my books in my hands this far before it comes out. I mean, this thing is out in April and I've had it on my oh, shelf shit. for like a month. Um, but it's the sequel, The Noose. Uh, Darklit is doing it. Uh, Candice edited it and she did a phenomenal job. She will also be editing the story collection that takes place in the little town of Buzzard's Edge. That'll be out in October. Uh, and this one, I haven't announced yet, but what the fuck. Um, I worked with Thunderstorm Books to collect all the Slattery Falls books with a bonus novella. Uh, and it, that came out in September, October. And uh, mm -hmm. Crossroad, who put out the first three books, is going to do an omnibus that collects all of them. Uh, and they're, I believe, going to use uh, Francois Valencourt's cover, which is fantastic that yeah. dude knows his stuff uh and i got to meet him in october really really sweet guy nice candace how about you can we talk about me no what? it would be the first time on the show <laughs> uh, imagine that um well i have my publishing house that is opening up so we have four five, six, I believe seven total releases between the four authors and then my co-authoring stuff with Mike. So I think between all of us, we have seven releases coming out, not counting my in individual ones. Um, Event-wise, I'll be all over the place. I'll be at AuthorCon in Williamsburg in April, AuthorCon 4, in St. Louis in October. I'll be at the TBR Con in Knoxville at in September and then the Texas AuthorCon, KillerCon. I think I'm scheduled for like six. And then at AuthorCon three and four by Scares That Cares, I did get uh, approval from those who are in charge to run my um, trauma and fiction uh, discussion. Once again, nice. I held it last year and it went over extremely well, which was incredible because, well, if you know me and all, I don't like the spotlight. I don't like to speak and public speaking for me is a new thing. Imagine that. But here I am a year later on a podcast, but it went over so well that people were actually asking if we were going to have it again this year before the day was even over. So I will be having that again at both author cons next year which i'm actually looking forward to quite a lot so that's new and unusual for me uh i think that's all you know just doing what i do so that looks patrick and you know what are you up to uh after this brennan take over with a question um 
Okay, so I'll keep it limited to one per question. Um, most excited for events-wise is we have our first live event. Uh, it's not, I can't say where or when on air, so <laughs> that's not fun. I just realized that it's not, the uh, details are not ironed down yet. Or with so, who? This is a terrible tease. <laughs> yeah. Well, terrible tease. But hey, uh, since we're teasing that, I'm attending that. So you'll have that. Yeah. Yeah. All three yeah. of us in one spot. The world is not ready. Nope. Um, and as far as like books go, uh, I am pumped for the second anthology I'm editing, which will be with Joe and Keith Lansdale. And the table of contents is uh it's it's uh surreal, um, who I'm working with. And I can't really say more than that. Jeez, I picked two sucky ones. Um, so <laughs> I didn't write any of this down, so I don't know what else to say. That's fine. Um I'm just excited. Um, it's, it looks promising. And after t- like six years of only rejections and only a couple years of, you know, half of a dozen and anthologies to be accepted by, uh, things are starting to finally click for me. So it feels good. It feels good to be on this side. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. Brandon, your that, turn. Jump in. Because everyone is kind of, you know, we're putting them to sleep, I think. So, you know, shake things up. Like, I don't know what's happening. It's supposed to be a well, party finale, we, you know, party time. Where's the champagne? We, Where's my ice cream, first of all? I'm going to keep going till you start talking. I tried I t- like can, twice. <laughs> can I tell you guys what I want to do in yes. 2024? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to make $520,000. And okay. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> how. That's a real specific <laughs> amount, though. Is there a reason? Like, is this planned out, or is that well, just arbitrary? Well, okay. So the other day, uh, my girlfriend likes to look at house listings that we can never buy mm-hmm. because okay. we yeah. uh, are poor people. So, but there's Same. all these nice houses around us, and there is one that is huge, and it's only five hundred and twenty thousand dollars, which mm-hmm. maybe sounds a lot if you don't live in a city, but I do. So, and that's kind of like a good price here in Portland. Um, and so, I'm like, I don't know how to get this. Okay, I write weird horror books, and I'm a part-time pet sitter, so it's not really like super lucrative. But I have faith, and I want to put it into the universe right now. Yeah. That I'm gonna make five hundred thousand dollars in a single year and buy a house down the street. <laughs> no, you laugh, but if you put it out hard enough, something yeah. will nudge back. I know from experience. Yeah, keep focusing on it. I'm, yeah. it, it might it might be robbing a bank. That might be the the way to go. You know, hey, uh, robbing yeah. a train. Wait, do they, do they put money on trains? Train. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought it might an be answer. like one hundred and fifty years too late Candace. for that. <laughs> Get a couple gold bars. Yeah. <laughs> you got the mustache for it, though. You could absolutely yeah, yeah. have a train with that. I, I actually yeah. cut it a little shorter. It used, I did have the handlebar going. I just kind of... <laughs> I, I went back up to the, to the Mario, which is what I kind of call it when it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Patrick, you had another answer? Yeah, it's cool. obvious, but it just yes. came back to bite me in the brain. Um, I'm working on a book with uh, Drew. Uh Oh yeah, that. So I'm excited oh, yeah. about that. Super excited about that too. Yeah, I knew about that, but you know, yeah, that's because you're <laughs> editing it. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> um, 
it's this really super it, it's like raymond chandler meets blade runner it's a nice. really holy shit that's a good way to put it i never even it is you're really smart um it's this awesome techno noir thriller it's also got a little dash of the matrix super mm. awesome we explore a lot of themes it's uh it, it's great it's great it's also got so much action comedy it, it's just a good story i feel it nice. it's it's coming together really nicely i finally yes. get to put so my experience and knowledge of uh pigs to use in this one. Oh yes that's a good teaser do you guys do you guys volley back and forth? How do you write together? I've always I've always been curious about that. I can't like I'm it's such a weird solitary thing when I'm writing. How do you mm-hmm. how do you write with somebody? Like what's your what do you do? We had a Zoom meeting where we sat down and we ironed out the basic plot outline. We both um write with a pretty loose plot outline so we can just kind of keep the ideas flowing. And so we nailed down like the big events, the emotional arc, like what happens, like the framework of the story. We saw it was good. We liked it. And then now we're kind of just writing scene by scene. Like I'll write a scene. Pat will write a scene. Not in order. And, hmm? It's important to say we're not writing in order. We're just writing whatever scenes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of cool. trying to like get an order here. I'm like, okay, we're almost to the doorway of no return. <laughs> detective character world about to get rocked. Um, but yeah, we're kind of just letting it go piecemeal. And then after we get the draft, the rough ish draft together, we're going to start organizing it a little bit more, but this story is very, it kind of reminds me of John dies at the end where it's got a lot of zaniness and a lot of excitement and action. So the piecemeal kind of um, effect works pretty well. Like, like John dies at the end has that kind of like episodic nature. Yeah. So like, there's yeah. like, it's like, there's little kind of little stories within the bigger story mm-hmm. kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. The funny movie too. Chad, what about you? you? You've co-written with a few people now and again. Yeah. What's your approach? Hey. <clears throat> it's different every time. It depends on who, who I'm writing with. If it's with John Bowden, um, we are we connect really well. It, things are seamless. We mimic each other very well. So <clears throat> at the end of the first draft, you can't tell. Even we don't know who wrote what. And um, we, we, we'll forget. But I've written with people who have a completely different voice than I do. And I've done it where we'll have like a, an outline that we go by. And then um, they will write a chapter or two. And then I will write some stuff. And then I go back and I, um, uh, well, one author in particular, I'll, I'll either rewrite the whole chapter or revise it or throw it out um but it worked and i mean both of our voices were in there but uh sometimes i've had to and i just did the uh the last collaboration i did through the fall i did it live every brainstorming session was like from the from the very beginning we didn't know and we did it all live on uh youtube mm-hmm. and um so people got to see how this kind of thing works because I get asked this question all the time and in the way that we were doing it, um, it's like that. And then sometimes you just pass the ball back and forth. And, uh, uh, but usually the way I do it with John is often like, we don't have a true like outline or, or just sometimes not even a direct, a direction. 
and then we will just um and then kind of a, an outline will fall into place and, and we'll be like ah, this, this is getting boring we need to come up with something and then it will change the whole thing and we might have to back up and yeah there's different there's different ways to do it i, I have a friend who uh co-wrote a bunch of books with somebody and one of them does the entire first draft and the other one comes in and does all revisions. So you could do it like that too. As long as, as long as uh, ego doesn't get in the way. I feel like that's, I feel like that second person has a much easier job. <laughs> like all, all the thinking was done for them. They're just like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm basically your editor at that point. I guess it depends on how rough the first draft yeah, is. That's true. Yeah. Fortunately, the the people the two people where I came in and revised and even took out whole chapters and stuff, they were they're very laid back and uh they let me be the control freak that I am. Uh and so it worked out. Otherwise, I, I, I've co-written with people before where we got a couple chapters in and either we both got busy with something else, or we just kind of like it's like dating when you're younger. It's like you're going out on a couple dates or something you're seeing each other and then years go by and you're not with them and you can't even remember how it ended it just it just kind of <laughs> it's not going on anymore that's how these a couple of these collaborations real real super tight friends still but we just didn't didn't finish we just didn't do it anymore sometimes it just doesn't doesn't feel yeah. feels like i guess eh, maybe this isn't is this isn't working out mm. and it's kind of big to be able to recognize that and not necessarily push forward because i mean we've all had uh solo projects where we start and we said oh this isn't the one you put it aside and you end up yeah. focusing on something new yeah it's nothing personal yeah exactly and it's nothing personal or anything um I, I i don't know that any of them um where we i don't know that with any of them we had like a uh discussion like this isn't working the last time it didn't work it was funny because uh, I'll just say the names. Hunter Shea asked if I wanted to write a book with him. I was like, yeah, let's do an alien abduction book. He's like, you'll write an alien abduction book? I was like, yeah, wouldn't you? Because obviously <laughs> he does he does the cryptid stuff and yeah. and the alien stuff and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, yeah. So we started right, working on outline. We were throwing, you know, chapters back and forth. In the meantime, uh, James Newman reaches out and said, let's write a book together. And I said, uh, I can't because uh, I'm writing with Hunter Shea. And he's like, oh man, that sucks. And then Hunter just starts ghosting me. And I'm really close with Hunter. You know, I, I've got the podcast with him every mm. week. Love the guy to death. Um, but then he, so I start poking fun at him and I still do it because he just started <laughs> kind of ghosting me with this project until it, until it was like, okay, I, I know what's going on here. We're done, aren't we? You know? And so we joke about it. Uh, then I reach out to James Newman. I was like, dude, let's do it. I'm writing. He's like, oh man, now I'm writing with so-and-so. So, and I don't want to spoil their project, but I was, I went back with Hunter and I was like, you James Newman, dude. And then here you ghosted me. So I missed I'm, out. I'm surprised. I, you know, I, I've met Hunter and I, I've talked to him uh, a few times and I'm surprised with his personality that he would go with someone. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's pretty uh, upfront and Oh yeah. Shamed. Yes. Yep. He is. <laughs> right. All right. So let, let's uh, let's change our tack a little bit. Let's talk marketing because mm. all of us are working with presses of various sizes, but 
mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because you are still your own marketing genius. So what is something that you do that you feel like is either unique, special, or you just feel like you could give as advice to somebody who is just lost in the marketing mire? Brianna, I want to start with you. I am muted. Uh, I said, oh, God. Um, I don't want to give this answer, but you know I'm going to give this answer. It's TikTok. I hate I hate TikTok. I hate it so much. Every day I'm on it, I hate it. Um, but it has done more for me than Instagram. After being on Instagram for like 13 years, it's done more for me than Twitter. It's done more for me than literally everything. And uh, yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think I'm the best at it. I think it's just a lot of people in our genre are kind of afraid to really throw themselves at it. And with TikTok, the big thing is you have to be willing to look a little silly or a little um, not cool because (laughs) it's very much, you know, like a younger platform and um, it takes a while to get used to the format and the trends and things like that. So for a while you are very much just kind of throwing things at the wall to see what sticks and you will look silly and you will, you know, you'll post videos that flop that you spend a lot of time on and that's a bummer. Um, but yeah, I, I keep telling everyone to get on TikTok. Um, I finally <laughs> helped encourage Gemma Moore to get on TikTok. Uh, and she's kind of found her own little way of doing videos there um, that fits her voice and her audience. And uh, you don't have to do all the trends. You don't have to do the dancing. You don't have to do any of that if, if that's not your thing. Um, you just kind of have to find what works best for you and what you can be consistent with and what you hate the least, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's how I kind of look at it. Like what kind of content that can I make consistently that doesn't make me cringe or feel like I shouldn't be doing this, you know? Um, and I also want to add that this year, I've really, really focused on kind of pulling back in a lot of aspects of my marketing efforts in that, uh, social media used to be the first thing I checked when I woke up. And this year it's, I don't, I try not to be on social media, um, unless I'm taking a break or if I'm done for the day with my work, because when you have so many different sources vying for your attention, it's just impossible to get into that mm-hmm. that flow state that we all, mm-hmm. you know, we mm-hmm. all cherish as creators. Um, so I would say, you know, don't be afraid to tr- afraid to try new things like TikTok and uh, be precious with your time. Mm-hmm. Nice. I, I do hate the TikTok answer, mostly because I am that person you mentioned that is very reluctant to get into those waters. But I, I love your approach mm-hmm. of do what you're figure out what you're willing to do essentially mm-hmm. um yeah all right now i'm gonna have to reconsider that shit uh danger how about you what's the first step on the road to 520 grand <laughs> oh man probably write something a little more marketable than what i've been doing uh <laughs> the uh i i mean can i ask you what I, uh, this whole TikTok thing, is, is, would this work for me as a 40-year-old dude? Like, I, I feel like people are going to be like, get out of here, old man. Like, quit fucking trying to get your books in our faces or trying to you stop trying to be funny, you creep. 40. 
Also, no. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were thing, younger than me. <laughs> people like love people would like love that kind of funny manic energy. Um, I read House of Rot and I loved your use of satire. I mean, honestly, people on TikTok would love that. No, I, really. I think like I think you could do it. Yeah. I've been on Twitter for like 15 years or however fucking long that thing's been around. And like, I mean, I've amassed a good amount of followers out there, but like it doesn't. It's a garbage fire. I it, it, yeah, it is. They all are. <laughs> it's just like spiraling, man. I'm like, I'm like in my own little world. Like I, I spend a lot on, on, on Twitter. Like I try not to get involved in any of the periphery things, the arguments, smart, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the dramas. I mean, I have my circle of people that I pay attention to, the people that I have connected with either in real life or online at some point. And then there's kind of a little outer ring of people that are like, these people I know are cool, but I don't really know them super well. Mm-hmm. And then there's like everybody else, <laughs> 95% of everybody else. And it's just noise. And I don't pay any attention to it. Mm-hmm. And I just go, I'm going to make my little joke on TikTok. On, t- mm-hmm. on TikTok, on Twitter, I'm going to respond to the people that respond to me, and then that is like my world. And mm-hmm. maybe it's not going to get me to five hundred twenty thousand dollars, but it does make interacting on these sites, which is kind of a necessary evil for us authors, make it a little less uh, stressful or like all-consuming. Because if it doesn't have anything to do with me, it has nothing. It doesn't even have a space mm-hmm. in my mind. Like it's mm-hmm. it's gone. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, Twitter's been kind of my my winning horse for 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 you know of, of, as long as it's worked. I mean, you know, we're kind of at the end stages mm-hmm. of this platform. <laughs> but it's a Titanic, but, uh, man. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> we're still there. So. And it does feel like that 95% that you referenced, like, I mean, whatever you throw at them, they're not going to buy your book anyway. They just, they're just mm-hmm. there to piss and moan. So. Yeah. I mean, I know. mean, they they got their own stuff going on too. I, mm-hmm. You know, I could be in part of their 95%. Like I, it is, yep. it's just, there's too many human beings and I don't just mean in the horror scene. I mean, like, it's just everybody talking at once about everything that's coming yeah. to their mm-hmm. minds. So it's like, yeah. you got to figure out a way to filter it's out. Information that we were never meant to be exposed to on a regular, consistent basis. I mean, Uh, I had to like kind of like decompress for a while. It's kind of during COVID because I would go on Facebook or something or one of these sites and then you'd read these posts. It's like my grandma died. And then next post is like, Mm -hmm. hey, I just I just finished my book. And then the next post is like, I got a new kitten. And then the next post is my kitten died. And then you're like, Mm -hmm. like whiplash. This is yeah, this is not the way like I'm you can't have a proper reaction to any of it. It's like it's mm. too much. And it was like really kind of messing me up. Uh mm-hmm. I kind I kind of do what, what Brianna's been doing and and kind of like spending like I spend social media is like a time. There's like a little time for it, and then I I don't even log on for the rest of it. So like I'll make my post. And then I'll check like three hours later and see if anyone responded to it. And then I'll scroll for like 10 minutes. And then, you know, that's that. Yeah. The, the other thing is, I think it can be so easy to forget that like, uh, you know, we, we interact with our, our community and our people. And it can be so easy to forget that 95% of the world isn't 
thinking about books as much as we are. Like, (laughs) I'm a teacher. Like, I I, I work around intelligent people who should be very literary. And, like, it's even that, it's just, like, they don't don't know as many authors as I do. And that sounds so goddamn pompous. But it's, like, we we forget that, you know, if we look at the 5% versus the 95%, well, the 95% are probably reading less than five books a year, which Mm -hmm. is horrifying to me um but if we can kind of find our place and cater to that and say you know hey you people who are reading upwards of 50 70 100 books a year like let me tell you about danger slater here let me tell you about how a serat <laughs> let me put there's, this on your radar there's I, i'm uh, this is not a, an original thought of mine but this is something i've heard um about if you have a thousand people who are paying attention to what you do and you are consistently mm-hmm. giving them new things to buy, like creating new books, creating new, new, new art, whatever you're selling. And, and they're, and they're buying it a thousand actual fans. You have like a real career. Like you have, you're making enough money to just make enough money doing that. Mm-hmm. So, and, and when you look at like, Oh man, I'm not going to I'm not going to sell a million copies of this book. Well, like no shit, but you don't need to. You just need to keep <laughs> writing books and have a thousand people buy them. That is doable for almost every artist if mm-hmm. they're making number one quality work and number two trying to find readership. Mm-hmm. Well, I like I mean, that. There's a, a almost 8 billion people in the world, so uh yeah. yeah a lot of us speak English too, so I know. <laughs> Plus you got the translations, right? Here uh Chad um, well, probably like six years ago, my answer would be totally different because six years ago, um, I hopped on, I think it was Instagram and I did a search for certain hashtags or keywords or whatever, looking for stuff like, uh, boys life, it, like people like, uh, bookstagram people. I didn't know what bookstagram was. I was just trying to find people, um, cause nobody was reading, uh, really anything i think i had like three books up by then and nobody was really reading much anything of mine so i reached out to like i think it was four people who were fans of like coming of age stuff and i asked them would you um i sent them messages and 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 i said would you be willing to or do you want to take a look at my book that i wrote you know it's coming of age um and they said sure and um Boy, that that was uh, that took off, and that's like that that decision to do that and to pick those four people uh, changed uh, everything for me. And that's how I developed a readership because these people had reach that I did not have. And um, that doesn't work as well these days. I did the same thing recently when doing uh, uh, promotion for Bruce's on a Butterfly, but I reached out to people from TikTok and I tried to pe- find people that didn't know who I was. Um, or, uh, you know, that had big followings. And I did the same thing. You know, I think I reached out to like 30 people. And I probably heard back from like 15. Um, and I was able to get my book into their hands. You know, hopefully they'll like it. And hopefully that their videos will. But um, I tried to find people that would uh, not just that read, but that would, you know, um, like I said, you know, if, if like boys life, not that uh, Foster Homes and Flies is compared to that, like, you know, enjoyment wise, but it, it would be on the same shelf. Um, if you're looking for coming of age. So I tried to try to find people who would the same thing with this other book, um, 
coming up. So, but I've also messed around with Amazon ads and Facebook ads. The first couple of times I did Facebook ads, um, it, it did not do well. Then I, um, I think I read a book on Facebook ads and I, or no, no, no. I saw a very thorough video and I followed this guy's instructions to the T did much better. Um, I think I went above breaking even, so I didn't lose any money. I did Amazon ads a lot. I took a course on Amazon ads. I've read two or three books on Amazon ads. I have a, a good friend who has become extremely successful with Amazon ads, but I found through, um, spending all this time learning about it that like dangerous problem where it's like the book's not marketable. So if you have a book about, you know, like uh, a foster home supplies where it's like, okay, you've got um, a kid who wants to go to the spelling bee, his mom's dead. So he ignores her body for a week so that he can hit the spelling bee. Um, it, it, it doesn't fit any kind of like a, uh, um, it's it's not com slow, so closely comparable to other stuff that I can, uh, and it's not part of a series, which is another huge thing. Um, and so it's not, uh, it's like horror adjacent, but non-horror people who hate horror like the book and people who like horror like the book. So there's not, there's not really any box that I can drop it into and it makes it really, really difficult. And then I, I was too crafty with the, the title. Um, <laughs> and it, it, I'm everything was like uh, every decision that I've made with whether it be the cover of my own book, the title of my book, the topic. I've tried to be as unique as possible. And it's kind of bit me where I've got friends who write like post-apocalyptic zombie stuff. And it has the same chick on the front with it's just her silhouette or or, or the back view of her and she's got a crossbow or a freaking shotgun or something and she's staring at the ruins of we've all seen this cover like mm. 10,000 times and he's making way more money selling this or you know the same mm -hmm. cover telling the same story uh it, it, you know romances it makes the most money out there and yet they're all telling the same story there mm -hmm. you have to have a happy ending so there's every one of these books is predictable but people like familiarity and I'm over here, you know, uh, Mr. I don't know, not pretentious, but like, well, I want, I want to keep my art. I'm not going to sell out. And I'm going to keep my art in my, and it's kind of, but I, I see my friends and it's like, they're, they are, they're not selling out. Fortunately for them, this is what they like. They like writing this uh, very, um, they like writing cl cliche stuff or they like writing um, stuff that has a real big, huge market for it. Um, mm -hmm. So good for them. But, and they are making, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. My friend Dan wrote horror and he put out a, a, horror, a horror trilogy and he put out like maybe four or five standalones. And then he was bringing in and he, he self-published everything and he was bringing in about 80 bucks a month. And he's like, I think I'm done doing this. I'm not making any money. And then instead of quitting writing altogether, he switched to crime thrillers, specifically mm -hmm. like serial killer thrillers, mm -hmm. not real dark. He, he, he looked at uh, other people doing that stuff in his thing. He learned uh, Amazon ads and um, like crazy and he joined the book some of you may have heard uh, 50 books to 20k mm. um or is it 20 books to 50k it's 20 books to 50k isn't it anyway he treated that as though it was bible 
a couple years go by and he's writing in a series and then he starts another series and he starts another series. And last year he made uh, like 350 grand and he's continuing to make that. Uh, He makes holy shit. Yeah. Uh, And it's all from changing genres, uh, mastering Amazon ads Mm -hmm. and writing in a series, which Mm. everybody that I know who was making a good living, they're like, dude, you have to write in a series. You have to. And I don't I don't mean discourage anyone here um, because I'm still not doing it, you know, because I it would feel like a job at that point. It's like, okay, I'll write a series. I'll write this vampire thing or this Mm -hmm. zombie thing or whatever. Um, but it's always in the back of my head where it's like, yeah, okay, but maybe I could handle it feeling like a job all of a sudden instead of fun if I'm making 350 grand a year yeah. writing this stuff. So yeah. I don't know. I, I but, don't have, that's all the advice I, ha- I have is just uh, discouraging everyone. But I there's guess. no guarantee you're going to make $350,000. You could just write something that you're not into and make no money on yeah. it. Yeah, and it just ends up <laughs> yeah. in the pile with the you know the other books that are hundreds of thousands of other books that are getting published yeah. every weekend. It's just Amazon. it's just so easy to market something that already has a huge following, yeah. and and when yeah. they are looking at that's why all the romance covers look the same, mm-hmm. and that's why the the big publishers a lot of their books. I mean, we see trends like uh, with the leisure books and the horror and stuff. You at a glance you want to be able to tell exactly what you're getting, and nowadays everything is like. The whole book is just a font, you know, and then it's got my have some pretty colors or flowers or something. And it might be a horror book and it's like got flowers on the cover and the mm-hmm. words are covering the whole thing. That's mm-hmm. just, you know, and then one day that'll be gone. And so they they kind of know what they're doing and they follow those trends. But I don't know if, if you guys maybe look into Amazon ads, you know, yeah. you, you you never know. And Brennan, you've got a series. Uh, I mean, I, you're going through a publisher. I don't know if you're going to want to spend money uh, yourself on. on uh, I made a little less than three hundred and fifty thousand on it last year. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> a little, then a little why, bit, little bit why don't we just sit back and listen to you then? <laughs> no, I, th- I think regardless of viability or success rate, I think we all just opened the document and you know, untitled serial killer thriller, mm-hmm. uh, book one. <laughs> Drew, I'd like to throw it to you because you uh, you have a little bit of a different perspective. You have you know debut novel coming up, and uh, before you you start, you know I want to throw out there I I got to read an early arc of Freeburn, and it is a fucking intense, crazy thrill ride um, that you know anybody looking for the unexpected, like you're gonna want to pick this up. So Drew, marketing, what do you think? Oof. Um, I will say the thing that's actually gotten me opportunities and gotten people interested, not social media, my website. So whenever I was updating, I I made my website really pretty. I built a thing on Wix. It looks really cool. And I totally wrote these really good log lines and all of these like marketing things for my books. And that was actually what got me my opportunity and what piqued the interest of some people for Freeburn because I put the first line of Freeburn up on the website and I was like, triple six, you know, just all of this really juicy stuff. Um, And the first line of Freeburn is, I was pretty sure I'd had sex with Mallory Warner, which would have been great, really. We finally got laid, pincer monster me, folks. But I was also pretty sure we killed someone last night. 
So I knew that was a really good tagline. So I had that up there. I did that with Divine Flesh. Oof, but social media. I am really good at solving problems. If you need me to structure a novel, I can do that. You need me to paint a painting, I can do that. You need me to meet a deadline, I can do that too. I can exceed a de- I mean, meet a deadline for the deadline. <laughs> I'm really good at that. If you need me to do just about anything, I can make it happen. And if I don't know how, I'll find a way. It's just one thing I can't do and I've never really been able to do. Be likable. And that's really the key to succeeding on social media. I am, I'm a Luddite. I never had any social media. I'm 24. I never had any social media growing up. I didn't, like I had Pinterest, but I mean, that's not really social media. You just gather your pins. I didn't even have like a Facebook until I was 19. Like we're talking none of that. I'm just a giant recluse. I had to have somebody in the writing community be like, Drew, you need to have like a Twitter. And so I started Twitter in 2022. I'm very, I did a little bit of Instagram for my art a few years before that, but I ended up having to stop Instagram because it was just not good for my mental health. And I was terrible at promoting my books. I was great at promoting my art though. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's just, yeah. So now Twitter is going down the drain. So I'm just going to see what the next big thing is. And I'll probably do an account on that, but I'm, when it comes to Twitter, I don't even scroll because I have ADHD. I know I'm going to blow a lot of time on it and I'm going to feel bad and it's going to achieve nothing but making me feel depressed. <laughs> it's not worth it. I, you know, touching grass. That's the, that's the big thing here. That's the key to mental health in my, in my experience. So I go on Twitter. I just do updates. I don't even scroll. I, I literally just, I like, it's, I have the app closed. I don't even have it on my home screen on my iPhone. I have it off the home screen. So I don't even like see it. I'm like that with all the social media stuff. Again, I deleted Instagram. So I just open Twitter. I just press the, the notifications before it starts scrolling. So I don't even get caught there. And I just look at my notifications, look at my DMs and that's, I feel bad because, you know, sometimes I'll see, you know, people I like doing stuff and I try to get in there and like some things and do some comments because I do care about people. I care about this community. I care about the state of art as just in where it's heading in culture right now. I think the indie world and self-publishing is so important. It's, You know, I really think that's where we're seeing this outpouring of creativity. But yeah, I know at some point I'm probably going to have to like white knuckle my way through something, but besides Twitter, but until I get to that point, I'm just, until I come out with the next big thing, I'm going to just see where that heads. I might do Amazon ads for free burn. I might... I'm still figuring it out. I've been giving out these stickers with the Freeburn ARCs. I'm my publisher was like, Drew, you need to go to StokerCon. So I'm going to StokerCon in 2024, which will be good because it's a few months before Exodontist comes out. So I can I'm gonna do some art for Exodontist and just give it out at StokerCon, try to mm. get some friends, try to just I would say my art, that's kind of the thing I have. But um yeah, it's 
Now, if I could have that likability and I could put it on, I would do it even if I didn't like it. I can do things I don't like. It's just the fact that I don't like doing it and I suck at it. <laughs> you know, so I'll figure it out. That's where I'm like, that's what my publishing house is supposed to do, right? I mean, that's what they take all the <laughs> that's what the 50% is for exactly yeah. uh, if, I, I want to say you... something mm. uh, uh, go ahead man. Oh, no sorry. Chad go ahead I just want to say something to Drew I, I'm familiar with uh, everyone here I don't know that I've been in the same room with anyone here before other than our, our, our hosts um, so anyway it's nice being here by the way uh, finally talking to you guys because I know that we've interacted or seen each other and are familiar with each other. Drew, I wasn't so familiar with you. So I went to your website mm -hmm. and I was like, this chick has a cool website, man. And I read <laughs> your I read your thing and I was like, oh, this book sounds cool. And I was like, uh, um, I think I was getting ready to go to Amazon. I was going to read a sample because I wanted to see more mm -hmm. and it wasn't out. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah. It's not up on Amazon yet. And it's not up on Goodreads yet either, which we're, we're, they're working on it. But yes, um, one of my ARC readers was like, can this go up on Goodreads? I also, I do have a Goodreads account. I don't go on it. I, so <laughs> this is a little embarrassing. I have content blockers, so I don't waste time on the internet. It's basically bricked my laptop. I turn off the Wi-Fi when I'm working. I'm just very... So I had to put Goodreads on my content blocker because I was just spending way too much time reading reviews, and I was. You're smart. You're smart <laughs> for not for not having social media until you're 19 and all of that. I, uh, yeah. And also, I wanted to tell Danger, um, dude. Yeah, maybe you should. You seem like you might be good on uh, TikTok. Mm -hmm. and don't don't worry about the age thing. I I have an account on there with. Mm -hmm. uh 600 some followers i don't know why i have three videos up there that are just me playing with my ferrets but i am on the fence mm -hmm. with doing um some videos i'm not gonna twerk or anything like that but um <laughs> i think you should if, if you, i can i mean consider that chad you should twerk <laughs> after you get five hundred thousand for amazon ads <laughs> but I, I you should yeah i mean 40 years dude mm -hmm. i'm almost 54 so you're, you're all right. Yeah. I, had a, I had a funny idea for, for TikTok videos, like a little series of videos where I'm just kind of walking down the street and I'm just talking to my phone, right? Oh, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden I trip and then I'm just falling through a black void and screaming. And that's it. There you go. That's every video. It ends with just me <laughs> falling through a black void screaming. That's just the vibe nowadays, man. I mean... <laughs> don't, don't worry about the age thing, though, because... I get I get told I'm old all the time, like every day. <laughs> what the um, fuck? I'll use the wrong emoji. I mean, I'm 31, but to those yeah. kids, like they're like, "Oh, were you alive when Jesus was born?" And I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> I was." Holy shit! Life used to be black and white when yeah. I was a kid. <laughs> I, I did have my first student refer to the 1900s. Were you born in the 1900s the other day? That was a new one for me. My uh, my teenager has that has asked me that one too, and I just kind of looked at him like, "Woman, punch you now or later?" <laughs> Which one? I, I um, just wanted to add to all of the marketing advice. So you all had very specific things to say, which is great because all of those are 
great means. But my advice would be is also make sure you're branching out and using a consistent combination of all your avenues. You have readers who are not on social media. You have readers that are not on TikTok, that are not on Facebook, that only go to the bookstores, that only order from the libraries, that you can reach through so many other avenues out there. The two key things is to branch out and use all the avenues that you are capable of using and being consistent in using those avenues. Think of it like a circular rotation, if you will. Mm -hmm. And even if you wanted to set up a schedule for your year, your month, your week, whatever it is. So on Monday, you're going to post a TikTok video, maybe your last week or your last month. Or, hey, these are the cool things that, you know, I've read or I released last month and on Tuesday you're going to do an Instagram post and on Wednesday you're going to do a Twitter post and then on Thursday you're going to do your Facebook post and then on Friday you're going to set you're <laughs> going to set up your email promotion post you guys know what I'm talking about when mm -hmm. I say that we've all seen written word and book bub mm -hmm. and fussy librarian utilize those because you know how many readers solely go off of those email promotion newsletters they get why because it's easy and that that subscription that they signed up for already did did the work they're gonna hand deliver them new romance new horror books new western and they're gonna give them exactly what they want and they're gonna say hey this is free this week this is 99 cents this just came out you want to branch out consistent and branch out on all those avenues that you can use because that's going to put your name in mm -hmm. front of the masses, not just that crowd, right. not just TikTok, not just Instagram. You want your face, your name, your book covers. You want that recognition mm -hmm. consistent. And even if it doesn't work that first month, it might work that second month because they're going to see you. They're going to remember, they're going to recognize, they're going to see your book cover, they're going to see your name. And it's like, let me click this. I've been seeing this person out here, so let me see what they're about. But if you try it once and you're like, well, I didn't get any sales from that promotion, so I'm never going to do that again. Well, you just stab yourself in the foot. Because now you just alienated how many thousands of people they, they have access to. But you weren't giving them enough of a chance to recognize and remember and want to click that link mm -hmm. just make sure you're using the avenues you have available don't go broke but use the avenues you have and be consistent so you're consistently reaching that crowd on a regular rotation it doesn't have to be every week or every month but hey maybe every other month you're going to do an ad on written word or fussy librarian or book bub or whatever and then you know you try it again two more months but that consistency is gonna what is mm -hmm. what helps get your name out there because people start recognizing and remembering. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. I do. That has what has worked for me. I'm everywhere. I'm on TikTok. I hate it. Yes. I don't speak. I don't do videos. I do little slideshows of book 
covers and I type little taglines, whatever, and I reshare everyone's posts that I come across. But I have close to 5,000 followers on there. I've got like 4,000 on Twitter. I don't know how many on Facebook, but I'm consistent on mm-hmm. when I use it, what I do. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, I just try to utilize all of those different things in a rotation rather than just, hey, this is Facebook and I'm only going to use Facebook. Mm-hmm. Well, you just alienated like half the world because mm-hmm. not everyone's on Facebook. It feels like it, but not everyone's on Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, so branch out, use them all, learn them all. Don't be afraid of them, but also make sure that you're branching out and using what is out there. Yeah. I mean, Candace, you, you, you built your own platform too. I mean, I really admire what you've done with Uncomfortably mm-hmm. Dark. Like that is beyond all these things. Like it is literally a platform, not just for you, but like for other authors to use, mm-hmm. which you're which you're clearly now using to to kind of leverage into what is, I'm going to sure, what I'm sure is going to be a successful publishing endeavor. So <laughs> it's like, it's really like, I mean, that's, you know, we aren't, we're all talking about using other people's kind of, routes and in the paths that are well worn before it and and you're kind of out there forging your own path you didn't even talk about it when you were going through all that stuff that (laughs) is what you're doing (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what i'm doing i didn't have a plan (laughs) it's just sort of like how it morphed into and i'm the type that i i like to help and i don't really enjoy the spotlight but my platform gave me a way to help everyone around me and it gave me a way to remain relevant when I wasn't releasing stuff because it allowed me to like get to know a bunch of authors and help them and network with them and support them and it gave me a way to create a platform that I can continuously use because that brand is recognizable now. I have that and people are like, oh yeah, I know that. And people go to the website for not just me. They go there to find their favorite authors or publishers or presses or reviews on everybody. And yeah, it's nice. It's cool. But I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't intend to like <laughs> forge my own path. I was just like, well, this works and let me throw this in here. But it was more about using all of the avenues that I found that were out there and allowing other people to kind of jump on and use that avenue too. Like, hey, this is working for me. Let me add this. And Mm -hmm. I just, I like to help and support. And I wouldn't be where I am without the, those that embraced me and welcomed me and said, hey, you need to do this in here. Let me help you with this. I wouldn't be here without that. So this is my way of helping the new ones and the newer ones and the next ones like here, let me put you here and let me review you. Let me put you here. And you know, it just, now it's this big monster of a thing that I don't know. Yeah. Don't, don't let it. It's great. Like, (laughs) yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's a, it's an out of control monstrosity. Uh, the snowball, man. snowball. Yeah, let it run. Let it roll. Giant. Let the snowball roll. Uncomfortably dark snowball. <laughs> <laughs> Rhonda, I want to make sure we throw the marketing thing to you too. Now, you may have a totally different direction to take this, but what I think of when I think of you is uh, after you put out your collection, 
uh, hell hath no sorrow like a woman haunted. You sent me this lovely package, very, very thoughtful and intricate. Um, and, and frankly, that's a way of marketing, of making your name stick with readers. So talk about that or if you have a different you know, avenue of, of marketing than we've chatted about so far. Rhonda, before you answer, I just want to piggyback on Brendan's thing. I rarely keep packages. I have kept in that package every single thing that you added to it. And also, I don't I almost never keep envelopes for letters, but I'll keep the letters from friends. But I kept your letter because it had I don't know what the name is. It's the stamp where you literally melt the wax and you yeah. press your stamp into it. That's really neat. That shit sticks out and I mean makes it even better that you're a friend, but I think it's worth knowing all that stuff. That is very cool. I will Listeners, shut up don't send things to Patrick. He will throw them out unless you are Rhonda. <laughs> <laughs> there goes your present, Pat. <laughs> uh, y'all, y'all are sweet. Um, I, I'm such a hippie. And I think that my, my approach to marketing is literally understanding my strengths so that I can use them to keep my weaknesses from biting me in the butt. So one of my weaknesses is I literally suck at selling stuff. I suck at sales. I do. I do. I've tried it in different iterations over the past, you know, hundred thousand years. And I really suck at sales. Um, so I do a couple of different things. What I do is, first of all, I go and find people who can do the things that I don't know how to do. Uh, so when I when uh, my collection was coming out, I went on Fiverr and I hunted for an artist who could bring those characters to life for me. And I hired him. He was an MFA student and I paid him. I still feel like I stole something from him. But like he was so amazing with these drawings. Right. Because I think that artists need to be paid for their work. So I paid him. And when my publisher asked if we could use them, I bought the license from him and everything, because again, you need to be paid for this stuff. Um, and I I found him because I can't draw either. Like I can't draw, I can't even, can't paint. I do not art that way. Um, so I wanted to have something that felt like me, that felt like these stories, something that feels like what I feel like my brand is. Uh, and then I just lean into that. So I'm kind of one of these failed Dolly domestics. So I'm that person who has Pinterest and I, I, I browse the craft store hallways looking for stuff and, and I go, oh, I think I could do that. And sometimes I can do it, sometimes I can't. But I, I have an eye for what I think is cool, what I think is cool. So I, as an old, I am an old, I'm right there with you, Chad. Uh, you know, I we're like in that same age group, right? So yes, except you don't look at it. I'm looking at you and I'm like, really? We right. Okay. Thank you. Right, sure. I believe you because you said so. But um, I understand that authenticity and being a real fan of the genre is huge. So I sit down and I think about when I get something from a writer or if I, when I'm a fan, what do I like to have? I like stuff. I like stickers. So I thought, hey, let's make some stickers. And I go, oh, I love this artwork and I have the creative license for it. Why don't we put these pictures on postcards? Um, and I thought I would love that. Like I, as a as a fan, I love that. Um, I love buttons. I love keychains. I love uh, the wax seals are like, because I swear that in another life, I was a Victorian uh, fainting lady. I'm still practicing my fainting. Um, 
And so I thought these wax seals, I use this in my regular everyday life. I use them for cards and letters in real life. So let's do that. Um, I think it's important to, to be authentic also though, uh, because there are times when I'm at an event and I'm supposed to be hand selling my books where I will literally send a person to somebody else's table. <laughs> or uh, I remember one time I was in a mall uh, and I was the only horror writer that was there with like these children's writers. And I mean, I love them, but I'm the spooky one. And I say to them, they say, you always come out with us like, and you do pretty well. I say, well, because my people will find me. They know when they see my display, they see uh, my demeanor, they come and talk to me. They know that I'm a real fan of the genre. So I remember we were in a mall event. And we were next to Barnes and Noble, but these are like independent writers, right? And I'm small press uh, published. And this guy came over to the table. He goes, oh, so you have horror. Uh, well, I'm kind of not into those things. I said, well, what kind of horror do you like? And he tells me and I go, I know what book you need to buy. I sent him right over to Barnes and Noble to buy uh, Gabino Iglesias' book, The Devil Takes You Home. Oh, because what he shit. described was exactly that. And so it was exciting for me as a fan to be able to talk to another fan and know that I've read this stuff. So if somebody were to come to me and say, I like this stuff that is just uh, very surreal, uh, that is uh, a very meta. And if they came to my table, I would go, I don't know that I have anything like that, but I did read House of Rod by Dangerous Slater. So you might want to go check that one out. Um, so it's, and it's genuine. Like I am honestly a fan. People can see my enthusiasm. I mean, I sold a, a copy of my collection to a lady who was a scholar. She's in a grad school program uh, that's like an art history class where they focus on uh, art from marginalized people. And so she comes to the table uh, when I was at um, Libby uh, Barnes and Noble Libby Place last month. And she says, oh, this is interesting. She says, I'm working on a paper about um, taking artwork and uh, tying it to the theme of identity from um, or marginalized people. And I just wonder, like, would you happen to have, I don't really read horror, but would any of your stories happen to speak to this? And I go, absolutely. <laughs> they absolutely so, I mean, I can put on these different hats because I'm really those people. Uh, I don't try to just do stuff and like, I can't, I'm not going to follow trends because I suck at that. And again, I'm too old for that. I don't have time for that. Like I will do what I know I can do. And most of that is being a genuine fan of the genre, being able to talk to people authentically and to be able to send people stuff that I would want to have, um, things that make me feel good about what I do. Um, and I think that that's really important because a lot of times, um, and that's not to say that we should step out and branch out. Like I go to events anyway, I go to tables to hand sell anyway, knowing that I suck at that part. But I also know that I'm bringing my strengths to that, which, which is just, I'm a huge fangirl at heart. So, you know, I can talk to anybody about anything in the, in the horror genre, about the books I've read, the movies that I've seen, where I think it's going. Um, and so I think that people pick up on that that enthusiasm and they go, man, she really loves this. I'm like, I might need to see if she kind of writes like that too. And then they kind of go, yes, yeah, she does. She's the whole mess. And okay, but we like it fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the cliche um, academic either. Like when, at least me, when I think of academia, I think of a bunch of snobby dudes and you're exactly uh, just really approachable, but you're, just as smarter you know i'll say you're smarter than those bastards and that's Thank what makes you. it cool i mean yeah that's 
That's what makes it real interesting with you. You got the best of both worlds with that stuff. I think I, so. I think so. Yeah. I really like how you talked about basically raising people up. And Candace actually made a post about this recently about how like she ain't uh anyone's competitor in the writing world. And you know, I think mm-hmm. that's true. I really do. Yeah. I, like at the bottom of my heart, because um your readers are gonna go to whoever they go to. It's like trying to control uh in a loving relationship and i do air quotes with loving and if one partner were to try to control the other one like if someone wants out or if they're gonna betray you they're gonna do that no matter what you do and in this case with readers if they if they're magnetized towards one over the other like you can try to sell them your book but who says they're gonna read it if they don't like it they don't like it so (laughs) what your approach is more opening and if i didn't like your kind of what you write, I would, I'd be more receptive to that personally. Um, Candace, do you want to cover anything else before we go to final, uh, not final thoughts? Sorry. The uh, other question you had. Um, no, we can go into the, the next one. Okay. Do you want me to ask it? Yeah. Cause honestly, I forget what it was. <laughs> okay. So before we wrap, what has been a great night? Um, we want to kind of go down the row and ask you guys who we should be reading. Who can you recommend that needs more eyes, more attention, underrated? Who do you read that you're like, you need to read this? So let's start with who's been quiet for a minute. Let's start with Brianna. Who should we be reading? Bree Morgan, I said it. <laughs> uh, um, so I, full bias because this is, she's one of my best friends in the world, but um, I introduced I, I introduced her to Candace. I introduced her to a couple people at AuthorCon last year, but my friend, Samantha Eaton, she has two books out now. Uh, they're both YA horror. It's, uh, oh, she changed the title of one of them. The Roots in Your Bones, I think it is now. That just came out. And uh, yeah. The other was The Hunger of Insatiable Trees. Um, Those are cool Super titles. duper proud of her. Yeah, she she's a badass. Uh, she's a great writer. Um, she tried to go the tribe route for a while, and ultimately it wasn't the best fit. And I, I'm like super proud of her because I kind of coached her through the self-publishing process. And um, it's just been a joy to see her kind of blossom as a writer and see what especially the, the indie horror community has to offer. Um, because I, I told her everyone would be great to her and thankfully everyone has of course been great to her so that's that's good um, so I think everyone should read Samantha Eaton's books for sure um, I think she's working on another one right now she writes a lot of like it's borderline eco horror um, but it has some really fucked up body horror stuff in it too so it's, it's very good Thanks. Chad how about you sir you guys know I'm going to say John Bowden right Yes, absolutely. I didn't yeah, know you knew him, honestly. Can I say skits? <laughs> highly underrated. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, just uh, yeah. An- another one, I guess, would be um, Hamelin Bird. He has written a co- I've only read two. I think he's got three books out. I've read two of them. Great stuff. Tim McGregor. I've only read it, one of his books. Really liked it. Um, Autumn Christian. I read one. I read the what's the bomb one? I can't. Girl like, Girl a, bomb like a bomb. That was okay, but 
I mean, the writing was great, but I read her short story collection. I think it's called a static inferno. And, uh, I mean, some of it is, is too far out there for your average audience. But, uh, when I, I feel like if she were to drop some of the insanity in there, she could write circles around most people. I know she could write circles around me. I will never be able to write that good, but, uh, yeah. Um, those four come to mind and I'm going to say Joe Lansdale only because for somehow the world still, I still run into people all the time who have no idea who Joe Lansdale is. They've never read him. So he's clearly not, uh, he doesn't need the attention, but if you haven't read him, my gosh, what are you doing? (laughs) I know for sure that, that you will find the opposite of that. What you just said with Joe in Italy. I don't know why it's in Italy, but he's like, He's like Stephen King. It's weird. It's like Some Hasselhoff American writer, with the Germans, or or Richard uh, Richard Lehman too, wasn't he? Uh, I think it was Germany for him. That he had a huge fan base in there. I think so. Yeah. True. You out there? Did we lose? Oh, her? she's muted. She's, she's, she's muted. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, okay, I. When I read Noose, I, I'm going to say Brennan LaFaro, not just because you're on this podcast with me. I like couldn't put it down. I was the same for the sequel, too. I was, and that doesn't happen very often to me with books nowadays. I've just read so many. I can kind of see the twists coming. Your use of voice just gripped me like right from page one. I was very invested. I was like, Rory Daggett, what's going on with this dude? Um, great action scenes. And I also want to say, Steph. Stephanie Nelson, mm-hmm. who just had her debut come out with Dark Matter Inc. Yeah. She writes very, very well. When I read her debut, The Vein, I was very, very, um, she does a lot of intertwining plot lines. And it's a lot like reading something old fashioned Stephen King. Nice. Very good. Nice. All right. Uh, Rhonda, I think you're up next, ma'am. So I'm going to give the same kind of response like Brianna did because we just love our homies and especially when they're super talented, it's like I'm such a fan and um, she's so humble and I don't know how she can be such a rock star and yet be so genuinely humble. Like I I tease her all the time because I'm, I'm telling her stuff where people will say something to her, give her a compliment and then she just gets what she calls the hot face. I mean, literally blushing all the time. But everybody needs to read something by Elmo Winkler. Uh, I am a huge fan. Wait, who who is it? I, I couldn't hear you. Elmarie uh, Wood. Elmarie Wood. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah, her Realm series is so wonderful. And I'm super excited that that um, that the first book in that trilogy has been um, optioned for film. And yes. I'm really rooting for it to come across because it's such a, a cinematic type story. Uh, and so um, the that series has been put back out by uh, Moko Memoirs Press. Um, so if you all haven't read anything by her, I think that's a really good place to start. But she's also like a Jane of all trades. So she writes these really great academic pieces. She actually has a craft book out on how to write horror. Uh, mm-hmm. She writes um, poetry. She There's nothing that she doesn't do. Um, and so I think that everybody kind of needs that in their life. Um, yeah. I also would say that um, everybody really needs to read uh, Johnny Compton. 
Uh, his first novel came out earlier this year, The Spite House uh, from Tor. And when I say that his storytelling voice is phenomenal, it is one of those things that like I, I had the book, but I'd been hearing him read excerpts from it. So I had it for like a couple of months before I actually sat down and read it because I was scared. I was like, oh my gosh, how am I so nervous to read this book? And every time I think about it, I'm like, no, I'm in a hotel room by myself. I got to wait till I get home. And then I decided, which I don't think is the best course of action, but I decided I was going to read it on our cruise uh, earlier this year, ended out last year. And I thought I'm in the middle of the ocean reading this creepy book. <laughs> I don't know if it was the best thing, but it was so atmospheric. It was very Southern Gothic. Um, and then he read a story that he had that was on published before, maybe with Pseudopod, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and I could be mistaken about that, but that story was this same grasp of language, this same atmosphere. And I thought, man, anything you put out, I'm buying just on site, just because, <laughs> just because you wrote it. So yeah, everybody needs to read some Johnny Compton too. All right. Danger, you're up. Yeah. Uh, I want to just call more attention to Tenebris Press. Uh, they're the ones that put out House of Rot, but not talking about myself. They have a collection of books that have been coming out. They're a relatively new press. Um, the reason I wanted to work with them is because I had a real good feeling about who they were as people and the kind of eye on the kind of horror that they wanted to put out. And uh, they've they've proven my instincts right because they have just put out a bunch of books this year, I think six or eight books this year. And they have a whole slew coming out next year of just like horror books that are just a little different than than what you might find in other places. Um and I'll I'll make a, a special uh you know call special attention to Carson Winter, who's uh mm -hmm. a buddy of mine who's also a writer there, but he wrote a book called Soft Targets, uh, which is about a workplace shooting, which sounds um like really heavy material. And it is, but it is also treated with a lot of uh, irreverence in a way, and a lot of like it, it's hard I just to explain read that this book. book. That's yeah. so weird. Like I just yeah. finished it uh, last yeah. night. <laughs> it's it's hard to kind of explain why you want to yeah. recommend this to somebody, but it is yeah. just a really well-written book and he's a great writer. And uh, if, if people haven't read him yet, I would kind of point them in his direction. Uh, Brennan, who do you have, sir? Um, honestly, I think I would throw it at everybody on this panel. Uh, Candace, if people picked up Desperate Wishes and unmasked your poetry collection. I dare anyone to pick up both of those and not find at least something that really, really speaks to them. Uh, Rhonda, I've talked about your collection ad nauseum. I'm, I was so thrilled to see it nominated for a Stoker uh, right alongside uh, Paula D. Ashes. Like what a year to see those two collections like right up at the top. Uh, Brianna, The Reyes Incident was one of my favorite recent books, and I have been just anxiously waiting for Tiger Cult to hit my mailbox. So, I mean, no pressure or anything. Mine um, too. Please. No, knowing <laughs> that you worked with Andy Spencer to edit it, uh, I know that the screws could not be any tighter on that damn thing. Um, <laughs> you, you probably went through like months of rigorous stress, but the manuscript is amazing for it. Um, 
Danger Moonfellows was really, really cool book. And I hope that people will pick it up and, and put you on that road to uh, five to a new house <laughs> in, in Portland. Um, for, for Patrick, I know a lot of people uh, first got exposed to his work this year through the story It Calls in Hot Iron and Cold Blood. And I, and I do think that that is their gateway drug into the world of McDonough. And we'll, we'll see a lot more going forward. Uh, Chad, I, I don't think I've read a book from you that I didn't absolutely love with the pale white being, you know, uh, uh, an absolute favorite. Um, everything you write is, is fabulous. And Drew, I already talked about Freeburn, mm-hmm. but obviously dark matter has a lot of faith in you because they signed you the three fucking books for next year. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to be drowning in Drew Huff. Um, and that's <laughs> not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but for for people who are not on this panel, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with Rhonda and Brianna's uh, kind mm. of variety of of I'm just gonna go with my homies. Um, Tyler Jones is mm. somebody who people should be reading. Uh, I love his book Midas, but you can't get it anymore uh, until a press picks it up. So in the meantime, I would grab either Heavy Oceans is his new novella through Dark Lit, uh, cosmic, weird-ass fish horror, um, or Burn the Plans is his story collection, which is absolutely fantastic. And Patrick. Uh, I got two. One's on the panel. That's Drew. Okay. Thanks. I got got two. (laughs) It's Drew. Um, I feel like I told her this already, probably a lot, but I feel like because I got to read one of her first published short stories and then her novel, uh, her debut, um, I feel like I got to get a sneak peek before the world gets to see how good of a writer she is. She's uniquely special. Um, That's the best way I can put it. And I can't believe how goddamn young you are to be this intelligent you're like intellectual level and understand and appreciate like thanks i'm not i'm not making comments at anyone but myself here but i've been really trying to be a novelist for like going on 11 years and i feel like it's just starting to click and i'm gonna be 35 and i'm not saying i'm too young too old whatever but like in your 20s i don't know i feel like that's kind of uncommon to be at your level so i'm really excited to see you grow and then the other one is robert ford um that guy has broken some new kind of writing uh in himself in the best of ways where he's just writing at a level that i don't i don't i don't understand like like book wise he's putting out in the last two years um it's going on his 15th <laughs> it's ghost written so i can't like name him but wow i don't know how that's possible um so them too but the book that i would recommend by robert ford is the dead pennies that just came out this year it's so fucking creepy it is i wouldn't recommend eating food during some of it that's just me i'm a wuss i can't eat food (laughs) during certain horrors so and you don't want to get those cheeto fingers on book pages (laughs) i love cheetos (laughs) (laughs) Candace, who should people uh, be reading? 
who everybody on this panel and everybody on my website and everybody I've ever talked to in life that might happen to be an author. That's too um, <laughs> The serious answer would be definitely everyone here and everyone that has already been mentioned. I've read them all. I've loved them all. But Drew, yeah, um, I was lucky <laughs> enough to edit some of your work. And ma'am, <laughs> I cannot wait for people to see it. So, yeah, I will be watching you because you have a stellar career ahead of you at the age that you are and at the level, like Patrick just said, at the level you are at and not only the level, but your range, your absolute range in the stories that I've edited, that I've read, that I have been exposed to so far. <laughs> yeah, the world is not ready for you. Right. So definitely you. Um, one of my own authors, if I may be so bold, my talk. Um, the man wrote a brilliant um novel that came out in September called Kick Kuku Brennan, I believe, was one of the people who blurbed it as well. And it is one of those novels that doesn't quite fit anyone. Field. It's not horror. It's not a love story. It's not grief. It's not, but it's everything. It's one of those just, it transcends everything it's that human. we write. It is everything. It is the entire human experience in this one just surreal fever dream of pure emotion. And it's brilliant. Um, he can write everything from horror to free verse poetry he's my co-author on the bishop books as well he's very very underrated and i swear if you read anything of his you will not regret it uh who else is out there right now that's just blowing up the world uh caitlin marceau is another one who's just on fire right now she's amazing if you've not read her please please do um into horror, extreme horror, slasher fiction, you need to be reading Christopher Ruffy. He's been mm. around for a while, but he has got a style like you would not believe. I just He's finished one of my favorites. Tonight. Yeah. It's so fucking good. It's phenomenal. And actually, he's one of the reasons why I write now. And I've been reading him long, long before I became a writer. So, I mean, he's one... Um, I could go on for like days, but there's so many. And all joking aside, check the platform out because the list of people that are on there, the um, indie author directory listing, their reviews that are out there, these are people that I fully support. I stand behind. I believe in. I've read their work. I vouch for them and who they are and their skills. The indie world right now is just on fire. So mm -hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. I have read a lot of better indie and self-pub stuff than what I've seen come out of the big five in the last year. Yeah. I'm just yeah. going to say. Yep. Same. <laughs> so it is. Like personal preference. I'm talking like basic things yeah. like craft, writing mechanics. I mean, yeah. I, people can read what they want to, but it's just definitely, definitely interesting. Also, the origin originality yeah. right now. There's something to be said for the utter uniqueness of what is coming out of the indie world mm -hmm. right now. 
that the top five does not have. You get used to those recipes sort of, you, you got A, B, and C, and it checks all the boxes and people kind of know where the story is going to take them. But the indie world right now is kind of grabbing you by the balls and it just pulls you along for that mm-hmm. ride. And you have no idea where you're about to go or how far or how fast. Mm-hmm. And the originality coming out of indie right now mm-hmm. is incredible. And not to mention that the amount of movie deals that I've been hearing about that people are getting right now, mm-hmm. the world is ready. The world mm-hmm. is ready for something new and something different mm-hmm. and something unexpected. And indie is where it's at right now. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe that it's been amazing. So people love real creativity. People yeah. do not like all of this mass-produced stuff and the AI shit. People, it gets boring. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Um, so none of my family reads. I mean, I live in a pretty rural, conservative area, like little pocket of Eastern Washington, which is a desert. Um, and yeah, no, like even people that don't read want to see something new. The, people like the human spirit, pe- originality, creativity. People like stories about the things that make us uniquely human. They, they're just, especially now in times like this, where things are so turbulent on so many different levels. People really do. I mean, they love creativity. They really do. Yeah. Yep. We're gonna go to final thoughts and then say good night. So, uh, right. final thoughts. We will start with Danger Slater. I have to. I don't have any final thoughts. Thank you, sir. Next. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Dude, you can make any noise. You can say pass, and I'll be fine. Whatever you want. It's I can make a noise. Can I? Can I? Okay. okay. You see the cat because I know there's a. Cat no one's thinking me up on that offer before. Yeah, I know my that, cat. That cat my is giving been... me major xenomorph vibes. It's like it keeps coming up like yeah, with an aliens. Yeah. He well, he keeps circling me, and he wants me to pay attention. He likes. To, I'm sitting at my desk where I write, and he usually sits on my lap while I'm writing. Uh, but I'm not writing right. I'm doing this instead. So he's a little confused about why I'm talking and, and doing so many stuff. He's not here now, but I have a tattoo of him. So I'll just show you. Oh wait, that's Mr. Burns. <laughs> there he is. Wait, did oh you just God, say your cat's blurry. name is Mr. Burns? No, no, that I had a tattoo of Mr. Burns next to the oh, tattoo okay. of That's my awesome. cat. <laughs> That'll be a great name for a cat. I want to steal mm-hmm. that one. His name's Bubbles. It's not as funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, you got any final thoughts? <laughs> no, just thanks for inviting me on the show. I'm I'm happy. Uh, what is the season four? You said the season yeah. finale. Happy yeah. to finally be here on the show. Season Hell yeah. four. We got to do a solo with you too, sir. Uh, Chad. Um, if you're ever on a panel with Rhonda and you're feeling bummed out, just look at her and watch her smile. Right, the she's whole smiling thing. so big right now. I love it. She ha- she has the opposite of resting bitch face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, That's it. It's true. It is absolutely true. Uh, Drew. Um, I feel like I said a lot of my final thoughts. I mean, that kind of came out earlier just now, but I do want to add something else. Every single person that engages in the act of creative work, whether it's writing, whether it's art, as long as it comes from that wellspring of originality within the human psyche, every single person that engages in creative work is doing something brave. I truly do believe that. Hmm. I think it's so easy for all of these tech bros and all of these assholes out in the world to just really degenerate and shit on what they don't understand because they themselves have a lot of issues 
but truly the best ideas were something somebody imagined at one point creativity and this is there's this quote by joe hill in nosferatu that springs to mind everything anything that was real at one point was at one point just something a fantasy it was our, our creative capacity to take a thought and make it real that true sorry i'm just very i'm very muddled um my neck is sore i think i'm coming down with something i've kind of just been <laughs> trying to drink fluids but yes and anyone that's listening to this podcast if you're working on a project and you're feeling really bummed out just keep working on it it's not about the end result it's not about the money it's not about i mean i i say that i have a day job it's <laughs> the creative process and the fact that you do it and engage in it is in and of itself a very rare feat most people don't have the bravery and the discipline to keep doing it even when it's hard even when it sucks all of us and anyone listening truly creativity is what i think is going to eventually mend the world if it's capable of being mended well said Bree. um oh so I don't really have any final thoughts, except uh, it's been a great year for horror. It sounds like next year, even just from this group of panelists, is going to be a great year for horror. And I would just love to see the indie horror world keep booming like it is. Hmm. Absolutely. Rhonda. Oh, the last thing I want to say, yeah, first of all, thanks so much <laughs> for having me again. I always like to play with y'all. Um, this has been a wonderful, wonderful panel. And I'm super excited when I can say I've read something from everybody on here. Like, that's great, right? It's an awesome flex. Um, so I, I just want to leave everybody with the the idea that this horror community is truly a village. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I'm a hippie. I truly believe in helping each other. And as mm -hmm. one of us rises, that means that all of us rise. Mm -hmm. And so all the competitiveness, all the, you know, petty cattiness and all that other stuff, we don't need it here in our village uh, because we all can thrive and, and we have to help each other to do that. Well said. Uh, Brennan. Um, well, first off, I meant to earlier say, Thank you to Drew for the uh, kind words about uh, the uh, about Noose and about the Demon of Devil's Cavern, which is the sequel. Um, to to have somebody who created such a <laughs> a wellspring of creativity in Freeburn uh, look at you know read two of my books and say, "Holy shit, this is storytelling." Um, man, did that you know make some. Uh, did that kindle some warmth in my heart? Uh, really, really good stuff. And beyond that, uh, thank you to everybody who made the season four finale possible. Uh, thanks for hanging out tonight. Thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for writing amazing stuff. And we look forward to more of it in the future. Candice. Uh, me, I rambled enough for one night. So I'm going to end this with thank you all for everything for your time for your stories for your words for you absolutely just here as the people that you are it's appreciated i like it and i hope to see you all back and i'll just say thank you candace brian Rhonda, drew Bree, danger and chad thank you listeners and viewers um 
this is a cool way to end the season. This is the first time we've done a panel for it and couldn't pick better people. So appreciate you guys taking almost two damn hours. I did not think it was going to be this long. I promised danger. I told you earlier. <laughs> so, oh my God. Um, thank you guys. I, I, I don't know what else to say besides, uh, I appreciate y'all and, uh, here's to, uh, fun and whatever your version of success is a successful 2024 really blessed to call you guys my friends and um here's to you know more conversations and learning and growing together so everybody we'll be back next year unless this is coming on in january 1st we'll be back later this year later this month um you have many many choices to pick podcast there's a lot of great ones talking scared this is horror to name too um but thank you for picking us and farewell Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.